What's going on, coaches? Hopefully everybody uh, is getting ready to go into their dead week here over the summer. I know here in Texas we are next week, and I believe Oklahoma, uh, maybe even Arkansas uh, for these next two weeks. So hopefully you guys are enjoying that off week uh, or two, getting to be around your family, enjoying Fourth of July. If you need anything from us, uh, either now or during that time, or obviously even after, uh, you can check out everything we're doing over at runthepower.com. Coach Walls is about to... Uh, put out his newest video for RTP install over on RTP Premium uh, that you guys will be really, really excited about. Again, that's over at runthepower.com. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Team Builder. Team Builder has recently launched a full-year, 52-week football strength and conditioning program that comes free with any Team Builder free trial. Team Builder provides strength and conditioning software to high schools around the country. Whether you write your own programs, have a full-time strength coach, or need training programs, Team Builder can make your program better. Right now, Team Builder is offering a full-year, 52-week football strength and conditioning program that, again, is free with any Team Builder free trial. Visit their website and make sure you enter the code RTP to get their 52-week training program and start your 14-day free trial at teambuilder.com, which is T-E-A-M-B-U-I-L-D-R.com. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Legend Rings. As coaches, we all know the best way to represent our big win is with the championship ring. And the team at Legend Rings wants to help you celebrate your regional and state championship title this season. Their goal is to make your championship ring purchase simple, easy, and affordable from design to delivery. Check them out at legendrings.com or email info at legendrings.com to get started. Let them know that Run the Power sent you and they will make your ring for free. Again, go check them out at legendrings.com. This episode of the RTP podcast is brought to you by our guys over at Just Play. The team at Just Play hooked us up with their product, as you guys know, uh, and it's been a game changer for us. If you've seen us on Twitter or uh, have talked to us about this at all. We obviously especially love the playbook tools that allow us to create our favorite blocking schemes, as you guys know, power, counter, inside zone, pin and pull. Uh, and formations so we can save time and be more productive. That's the biggest part. Saves time on defenses, saves time on on inputting offensive uh, formations, and then easy to draw the play out. Just Play is a limited time offer for RTP listeners only. Get my Just Play Pro for $120, which is an unbelievable $60 off the normal list price. Uh, this offer has been extended uh, and won't last forever. You can get this deal at JustPlaySolutions.com RTP. The best playbook tool on the market at JustPlaySolutions.com slash RTP. Don't wait. Go do it today. On this episode of RTP brought to you by Legend Rings, we talk with Coach Steven Siasi. Coach Siasi is the offensive line coach, run game coordinator, and recruiting coordinator at Bryant University in Smithfield, Rhode Island. Listen as we talk with Coach Siasi about some O-line techniques and drills, some offensive line recruiting, and some game planning in the run game. Uh, this was actually our very first episode of me moving down to Texas. I recorded several months ago, so uh, the, the internet was a little bit choppy at first, uh, so you'll hear a little bit of that choppiness at the beginning of the episode, but we get it fixed uh, before halfway through. Uh, you guys can follow Coach Siasi on Twitter at Coach C-I-O-C-C-I. Hope you guys enjoy. Go ahead and get this thing rolling. We don't even have to 
you know, asked uh, about your football journey. We've already talked ball a little bit, but um, so I'm kind of curious, you know, my big question kind of is after last year, uh, just to start this thing off after last year, I'm sure you guys had like every coach, you got to find different ways to communicate with the kids. You got to find different ways to, to coach and teach and, and, there's obviously a lot of things negative that came out about COVID, but what are some things that you plan on taking uh, with you, even when, when hopefully all this stuff goes back to normal? I mean, you know, with zoom meetings or with what, you know, whatever you had to end up making work this year, any of that going to kind of continue with you? You know, absolutely. You know, the, uh, like you kind of said, coach, I don't think anyone liked doing the zoom stuff. Um, you know, we tried to get creative with it. Like we had a lot of, you know, especially like preseason, you know, back in the fall, back in last summer, did a lot of stuff where we had, you know, guest O-line guys come on, you know, former players, alumni, a um, couple professional guys. You know, I'll definitely like take that part, you know, in terms of like in our, in our off seasons moving forward, definitely going to have it where we have Zoom sessions like that with guys that are outside the program kind of talk, you know, teach their ways of how they played online, you know, kind of give us their philosophy. And then from, from what we did, you know, I think the, the zoom stuff really made us kind of, you know, we talk about focus of guys when they're in the actual meeting, like in front of you, well, it made us have to be even more streamlined with our meetings on zoom. You know, you can't see if a guy's on his phone. Um, our guys did a great job of that, but you know, it really made us kind of streamline the process and made me hone in on probably less film um in terms of quantity and focus more on like the actual quality so like rather than watch every clip from practice you know i did more take the 10 clips that we needed to see the most that were the most relevant and then take 10 clips of our like our opponent for example this season this spring season we just did and splice those in there so that they were seeing what they needed to do seeing what they were going to see that week so kind of time the practice into the game mode it made for quicker meetings, um, and I think it, it helped them um, keep their attention a little bit more when we weren't allowed to meet in person. Because about half the week we weren't allowed to meet in person, about half the week we were. So I'll Jeez. definitely take that. Yeah, I'll definitely take that in the future with me, um, even when we are back to meeting in person. Did you guys do full offensive line meetings uh, on Zoom, or did you sometimes break it down to individual people? Because I've heard some coaches and mostly high school coaches, but a couple say, Hey, we just had like 10 minute meetings, but we did them individually. Now I don't know that ends up being two hours for an offensive line coach, but um, it, it kind of piqued my interest. Kind of curious. How did you guys do it? Yeah. So what we did was, so like we couldn't, we couldn't have like, there was X amount of guys you were allowed to have in a room at one time. So it really made to, I did every night, I did a full line meeting on zoom. And then during the day, I would have them come in by position. So, like, the guys did an awesome job. So, I would, I would tell them, like, hey, centers, like, what time works? And, like, 1 o'clock, they'd be like, Coach, we're going to come at 1. So, like, those, those guys would come in. We played three guys at center this spring, um, two starters and, and, and a guy who was our starting guard that did both. And, you know, they would come in, and we would talk for, like, 20 minutes on, you know, run game points, pass game protection, ID, you know, three down, four down, five down, blitz ID which saved us a lot of time and kind of let us hone in um, a little bit more of the details than what we were covering in the overall line meeting, which was more practice review, game prep, look at the opponent. And then same thing, I tell the 
you know, guys that were playing guard, like, come on in, let's, you know, look at what you're going to need to do, you know, double team combo wise. Here's how their nose, their tackle, uh, you know, here a little bit more in depth. And, you you know, we obviously would cover this in our meeting at night, but you were able, I was able to really kind of get those guys in, in my office, which was cool. Like, we were, it was kind of silly, to be honest. Like, we were allowed to meet in small groups in my office. We couldn't meet as a whole group at night. But, um, and then the tackles, it was the same thing. You know, they would come in. And we would watch like pass rush moves, you know, more than one on one stuff. Um, so it was cool. We got to put it all together at night in the overall group meeting on Zoom. Um, and it also helped us, you know, come in small groups, kept us safe from kind of contact tracing, which was good because uh, that was probably our biggest fear all spring and even all fall when we were just when we were practicing. So, but no, I'll, I'll, that's another thing I'll take moving forward. I'd never really done that before. I'd always done it where it just met the whole line, breaking it up by position. I, I loved it. Uh, I thought that that's something that 20 minutes a day, I'll, I'll definitely do in the future. Yeah. I got to think that a, a lot of guys really were able to, to reflect and, and get better. You know, exactly what you're describing, your, your teaching style, your teaching philosophy. I mean, for, for me, being kind of a middle school teacher, you know, I had to really revamp a lot of things too, knowing that they're not going to have the attention span for 45 minutes to an hour. Or so, you know, really kind of going almost to like a, a workshop model where it's, I'm going to talk for, like you said, 10, 15, 20 minutes tops, and then it gets them out there doing things. So the, the, the kids are actually, you know, practicing, doing, making the calls, you know, leading meetings and doing that. I would imagine that it probably helped a lot of your your older players because they maybe had to take a little bit more of a leadership role too. Absolutely, you know, one one hundred percent. You know, they those guys did an awesome job, and you know, kind of put the keys in their hands, and they were able to do meetings on their own. All of our films on our you know Exos Thundercloud. So those guys were doing a great job of doing their own stuff. So you know, but definitely, you know, I agree one hundred percent. Well, coach, what what ended up happening with your guys this season? Did you get to play in the fall? Was it all spring? I I, I think yeah, so wrong, they, um, but I think you played some of the spring. They, we did, yep. So we did a modified. We played four games. Uh, the league did a four game schedule in the spring. Um, we came up just short. We lost in the last game. If we won that, we were going to be playing the the like de facto the NEC title game. That's this weekend for our league. Um, but they. They had kept delaying in the fall, like as a staff, we knew like, you know, kind of like the league kept delaying it, but like every coach in the league basically knew that we weren't going to play in the fall once they, they didn't allow us to start in August. Um, so we wound up doing like a modified fall training mode. You know, we were able to lift a little bit um, early on. It was kind of like we flipped it like our September or August, September, October, the middle half of October became our like winter conditioning. And then the last month, uh, October in the middle of November became like a minor version of spring ball. Um, that was different. Like we were, we were not allowed to have a full team out in the field at the same time because of state regulations. So like that made for interesting practices. We'd have to take, I would have seven O-linemen in one practice. So we would do two practices consecutively, which I've never done before. We'd practice from like three to 4.30. Those guys would leave, and then the next half of the team would come on, and we practice 4:30 to six. And so that that was interesting. You were basically doing your indie twice a day. Um, you were doing your team reps twice a day. You had to limit how many team reps because we only were allowed to have about 50 people on the field, so you couldn't do too many reps because you only had about seven linemen. Um, 
definitely made us focus on what was important. Um, and I, I thought, it, honestly, we hated it in the fall. It probably helped us because, you know, when we, when we got done that period, we sat down as a staff and our head coach did a great job. I said to ourselves, like, man, we can't run our full offense this spring. Like, we're going to have a limited camp. Um, you know, we had about 20, maybe 20 practices for our first game in the spring. You know, with when, with when the state allowed our team to come back to start practicing as a full team. So that means how we approached the spring in terms of what we were going to have in our play. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't even think about that, Coach. I mean, you know, you only have so so much, so little time to, to prepare. I mean, you guys have got to really sit there and talk and think, well, what do we want to be really good at? What do we have the time to be really good at? Yeah, so what we what we wound up doing was we sat and we said, okay, based off of the time schedule that they're going to give us, crash wise, what can we do that we can have limited in basis? So what we wound up saying was we were going to have four runs. We, we we ran inside zone, we installed outside zone. Um, we had run more of a mid zone in nineteen. We wanted true run off the ball outside zone, complement side zone which paid off huge dividends for us. We ran power and then we ran GT counter and we got rid of our, our counter and we got rid of our pin and pull um, because we said just from a, from a time frame, the GT counter gave us the same option minus the fact that defenses couldn't draw on our fullback coming across. So to mention our re. Um, and then of those four wrong concepts, we just layered each one. So like 10 personnel power, power read, 11 personnel power, 12 per power, same thing inside zone. We inside zone read, zone slice, inside zone cutoff, and then, you know, vice versa, the GT can read and the outside zone read and slice stuff. So it really made us streamline that. And then the same thing with our past concepts. We limited it to about like eight true concepts. We ran command protection we ran an empty protection and then we had two play action protections and we just kept hit every day just kept telling our guys like no matter what front we see or what we see this spring we're going to run these out of whatever emotions we have to do to be successful rather than overload the guys with a ton of plays in the playbook and it worked out pretty well coach this is obviously a really tough hard time uh for seniors you know trying to get recruited or even juniors um and I always like to ask, you know, coaches, obviously you guys are having trouble because you're not allowed to go to any of these practices right now. Um, I'm sure you guys have thought about it some. What are some things that maybe some of these high school kids can do to get their name out there, to maybe get their film out there, even though they may only have a couple games of film? You know, there's some states where they're, they've only, you know, they played a couple games and it's been this semester. Absolutely. You know, the biggest thing, and it's funny you say that because, you know, I actually had that conversation with the recruit today. I was talking to him on the phone. He'd asked, like, Coach, what can we do since you got spring ball down south? Um, you know, the biggest thing to me is each, each position coach in college looking for a certain thing. So, like, for linemen, you can't put enough videos out there of you doing hip flips from the ground, you know, kneeling from the ground, exploding. Uh, bending stuff, you know, going over hurdles, under hurdles, anything explosive, you know, in terms of like show film of you kneeling pass sets, kneeling, run off the ball. Um, and then 
you know, it's the same thing. You really have to put, you know, video of you doing your routes, different agility, different explosion stuff, broad jumps, all that. For, for us, I know, like, that's a big thing. Like, we're, we're, we're switching gears now. Our season's over, and we're, 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 we're valuing and watching film. First, I write down, when I look at it, like an old lineman, I say, okay, you know, he's listed at 6'2", 290. Socks, you know, show, have someone film it, have the camera stay out the entire time, and then zoom in. You know, we don't want to see it where it's just a headshot. We've seen a few of those <laughs> where, you know, the kid has a headshot, someone's putting up there, but they're 6'5". It's like, you're not 6'5". Stand, um, standing on the dictionary. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. You know, I was a double socks guy at camp. So I used to do that to try to gain about a quarter inch. Um, That's right. Cowboy boots and double socks. <laughs> exactly. Um, the more stuff like that, that they can show, you know, like to me, you can't show enough. And then, you know, some coaches in college are going to reach out and ask for more stuff. Like every old lineman, I'm going to ask them to do some explosion stuff, some movement stuff and film it and send it to me. Um, you know, I, that is, but right now with the, the you know, CS FBS schools not being allowed to go out on the road. Coach, how much are you guys put in, you know, like, you know, metrics stuff from back? I know the guys that do now, I mean, they're looking at, you know, again, taking some of the, the guesswork out of it. Every place has fully automatic timing. So your skill guys you know, should be able to, to throw down some time parts or relays that, that can throw down times. How big of a factor does that play? into you know the recruiting process you know I, I always felt like it did because you know the, the recruiting process at the highest levels like you're at it's it's rid of the guys that don't quite fit the profile and then obviously find the guys and verify the guys that do absolutely you know it, it's the you, especially like the skill kids first thing our head guy asks is okay does he do track you know he's a receiver right now you know his film's good First thing we're looking at is track times. Like, is that going to ding him? Is that going to knock him off our board? You know, that that right there is probably the, the first, first thing that can knock the kid off our board, you know, bad track times. It's also the first thing that can give a kid a, a bigger scholarship is, you know, hey, this kid's film's okay, but, man, he's explosive. You know, he's, he's a kid that really hasn't been playing that long or he's just raw, but all his measurables are off the chart. So 100%, you know, track is probably the easiest measurable. Even for the big guys, you know, a lot myself, I'll speak for myself, but I know a lot of other line coaches. I love alignment that throw that do shot put, do discus, hammer throw, you know, anything, you know, anything like that, um, that these guys can do, you know, to just give us a measurable of some type of power output is huge. Coach, you you talked about going to GT counter this year. How did you teach your tackle on that pull and, and how to read out through that guard? Yep. So what we did this spring that I, I changed it up and I can't take credit for this. Mo had him and I talked about this few to me when I GA'd for him down at FIU that, you know, that tackles really got to be on a different plane than the guard. So like their mentality should be there on a different level. And so I used to teach that play where we would skip the tackle, you know, give a little bit more time, you know, skip off the ball, stay square, read it. And I want to change that the more I talk to Coach Mo about it and some other people. We talk about there's three planes on that play. So, like, the line of scrimmage is, like, level one. The guard pulling is level two. You're getting right behind the line of scrimmage. You want to be tight. You're trying to force the kick out. If it is spill, like, we don't – I don't teach my guys, like, log. It is going to happen. But if you, you – you're going to log on the – 
the tackle, we tell him that he's at level three. So you want to be about half a yard deeper than the guard when you pull. I teach open. So, and you want to see the goal. So, like, see that picture. Have, we talk about 10 o'clock, 2 o'clock vision. Because I'm pulling down that line I'm a little deeper than the guard. I'm looking like 10 o'clock vision. I should be able to see if that, that guard is kicking now or if he's turning into the line. My my depth off the ball being a little bit deeper than the grid is a lot quicker and our idea. And we ran um, we didn't run it a whole lot. We ran it about you know two to three times a game, and it was effective. Um, it was a great changeup from our outside. It's something we ran a lot more in nineteen as a base play. Looks we saw bring more zone looks than than looks for that, but. 100%. That's how I'll teach it. Always move forward. Just have your tap. You coaching power and stuff. You're teaching the guard a lot, a lot of times to to kind of clean up the hole and, and kick everything out. Are you still doing some of that with the tackle if things aren't clean? Or you're telling them, man, if it's a if it's a clear log look, I'm running around it and I'm trying now to hit it with my inside shoulder. Or am I still trying to kick the linebacker out that's going to scrape over the top? We're always trying to hit it with our inside shoulder. So, like, if we're pulling left, we're trying to get that that left shoulder inside out of any defender. So, like, even if we get spilled, we log the spill, we pull around it. That next guy, we're trying to force inside of him so that the ball can hit more downhill. If he spills us too, we're, he's doing our job for us. So, Coach, what, what would you do with that fullback um, on the backside of counter? Are you guys running, like, a, a read on the backside of GT? Uh, an RPO, what are you doing with that fullback uh, in that situation? Yeah, so with our with our GT counter, we have two two versions of it. One where we'll read it backside. So whether if the tight end's backside, he's going to arc. We'll have the divide action of either, you know, like jet motion receiver, running back lean, um, or just tailback across divide. Um, and he's arcing for overhang to seal the block for that guy. Um, if we are not reading it, um, if we are just trying to run the ball, uh, so that would be our other version doing it. He's going to seal hinge the C gap defender. Um, he's going to try to cut it off. And what we tell him is if he can't do it, and this was just an adjustment we made this spring. If he can't do it, he just makes a call to tackle and tells the tackle, Hey, lock up. I'm going to pull. So it just turns into counter. Um, our guys loved it. I thought it was a neat little thing. You know, we were saying, hey, we're not going to run Chicago, you know, which is our counter play. And, you know, we're in like one practice and tight ends doing a heck of a job cutting off that guy and blocking him. And next practice, our DNs are as tight on the tackle as they possibly can be. And I'm like, man, tell the tackle to lock it up and you pull. So they just try it today. And we did it. And I was like, heck, this is how we're going to do it. So um, I like that a lot. I loved it. I, I, mean, I absolutely loved it. If he can't win at his block, he just makes a tack call, tackle tight end. So he tells the tackle, hey, tat, 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 I can't block that. Tackle's like, good, I got you. So the tackle will pull, will lock up on that guy, and tight, the tight end will pull. He can do it from the hip position. If he's on the line, we did it from on the line as well. Um, and it just turns into counter. So it was a good that's change a much, up from our, our read aspect. That's a much cool – I mean, that's a much easier way to do it, not have to put in, like you said, two different counters. We're going to pull yes. our tackle anytime we can. And if we can't, then we're going to pull our H back or our tight end. Absolutely. And that's that's how we're going to do it moving forward. Harpa, it's kind of like how we, we've done, you know, 
are we pulling the guard or the the backside tackle like like dark or you know one back power giving them right. the option to be able to to do the same thing I, I love it. anytime you can package that stuff i mean one it makes it easy against defenses that can usually change the look like you know coaches describing the dn start cheating and then two i think it just forces your guys to communicate too so i mean w- once it's their idea they seem to block it a lot better Absolutely. And, you know, one of the changes we did with it that I thought would help, um, if we knew that, so if the tight end was going to block the guy and it was clear that he wasn't tight, you know, we weren't going to make a tackle. If we had a three, like six side backside and we knew we could win on our back block at the center, just to help the tight end out, we would, we would make a call where the center would pull on it. The, the, the guard would lock up on that B-gap three technique. And that way, that that gap is just closed off for any DM penetration. So, like that helped us a lot too, and helped the tight end block a lot on the backside of GT counter. So, it just turned into center pull, tackle pull. Yeah, I like that a bunch too, coach. That's awesome. It's one of those things we kind of stumbled into, you know, as we were as we were doing it. We just kept saying to ourselves, like, okay, let's how can we make this easier? And then watching, we watched a lot of other teams. Um, didn't see a lot of teams do with the tight end, but the center, I never had the center pull on it. Watched a ton of Liberty. Um, watched some FIU from after I'd left there. They started doing it. So, and obviously, you know, the masters of it, that play Oklahoma, there's no one that runs GT counter better than those guys. That's something you guys might do versus like, you know, bear looks or tight looks too with, uh, you know, obviously a head up nose and, and your, maybe your tight four eyes or threes. Yes, we did that in 19. Um, we did do it this spring. We saw in one game um, where we ran it against a true five down, five one box. Um, I do like it against that. You know, it just kind of allows you to regap the defense, gain leverage back the other way. Um, no, nah, it, it's there's so many aspects of that play that I love. O- only thing that scared me out of it at times was when we saw. A couple teams we played this spring gave a ton of twist movement pressure on base downs. That kind of kept us more in the, the wide zone, inside zone realm, um, just so we could pick up movement a little bit cleaner. Coach, did you do much with your wide zone? Did you do much of sending your fullback or, or your H-back away from outside zone? We Yeah, so we did, we did a lot of slice action off of it, which set up our boot game very well. Um, we would do it where we had the tight end and that, again, he'd be in the hip position. Um, and he could he could enter the front side with the tackle, help combo up to the safety. Um, and then we changed it up the next play and we run it where he sliced and cut the D end coming backside. Um, and which which set up our our boot and also set up our you know our inside zone RPO where we read the DN if it's you know, if he undercuts it, if he spills the the slicing fullback, fullback leaks to the flat, that's the throw for the pull read for the quarterback. So that was a we did a ton of stuff where we brought the fullback across and outside zone, inside zone, um, the entire season. Is that just something you guys had to game plan and know you would have the the right amount of hats to um, send that, you know, H across? We, I just ask because we ran it a lot last year. Uh, out, you know, wide zone was our play, um, and and we wanted to to go slice action, but. Um, so many times I was scared that there's going to be that extra hat in the box and we sure. should have kept them front side. Yeah. We looked at it. 
we ran it a lot. So there's we we saw a lot of cover one. There's a couple teams in our in our league that they're playing cover one, and wherever that guy goes, that whether it was a safety, whether it was kind of like a, a nickel linebacker, he's following him. So like when we got that, we ran a lot more of it to get that extra hat out of the box. Um, teams that played with a too high box against us, we would still run it if we if we got a six man box. Um, because, and even if a seven man box, that seven defender, that safety was not on the same level of the linebackers, we still felt comfortable running it just because of how much stretch and puncture we did with our outside zone play. So for us, it was, we were, we, our running backs did an unbelievable job all spring. You know, we knew that we were going to be able to press the point, cut it all the way back to backside A. Um, so like for us, it, the only thing that would take us out of doing it is kind of like what you said, if that, if that seventh defender is just sitting there, um, we would, we would keep the tight end front side or we would attach some type of RPO. We did it more so in power than we did in our outside zone. Looking back on the spring, we probably should have ran more bangs, uh, bang routes that we did in power versus that seventh defender. Um, but you know, if, if he's just sitting there, we would keep him front side, not slice him. Or we would just go train opposite. So our outside zone, weak to the two-man surface side, that tight end would be backside cutoff. So you're running away from that seventh defender. So he becomes essentially a non-factor. Coach, what traits are you looking for kind of in that that move fullback, uh, tight end, H-back type dude? Yeah, we, we, uh, we're we willing to sacrifice a little bit of height and size for, like, grit. So, like, he's got to be a nasty dude. and. and we're fortunate. We got three fullback tight end dudes. You know, one kid is he's out west kid from Colorado. He's he's a tall kid. He's about six five. Probably not the guy you want necessarily to slice all the time, but man, he does a hell of a job with it. We cut a lot on our slice too, which helps that. Um, but I love guys that are sawed off. You know, if you can get a guy that's, you know, six foot, heck, if we if we recruit true fullback that's five ten, we'd be fine with that. Definitely guys that have good hips. Got to be able to dig it, dig those guys out, you know, especially with the rules, how they are cut blocking. Um, if he's not facing you, you can't cut. You know, they don't really call it at the college level like they say they do. Um, but really, it, it, to me, it's all about the attitude. So, like, more so than the actual body. Like, we're not going to look and say, for us to run our slice stuff, it has to be, like, a shorter tight end fullback. Like, for us, if we recruit a kid on film that we like, like, our one tight end is a D, was a D lineman in high school. He never played offense. In his life, and he was probably our best blocker. You know, he was trucking dudes the entire spring because all he knew was, you know, block destruction when he was playing D line. So, like, we we look for that. We look for really good athletes that can play that position. We do a lot with that position in our offense, um, in the pass game as well as the run game. So, um, definitely the attitude factor. You get you. They gotta be willing to throw. You know, throw their 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 eyes and their hands into the block. Gotcha, coach. That um, it's just such a so, so here's my other question. Outside zone, or sorry, wide zone, and you're in 20 personnel or, or whatever, you have a fullback. How are yep. you guys teaching that fullback? And, and you want him to stay play side. Were you having him read out the outside zone like the tailback and insert where he has to? Were you having him chip out through with the tackle? How are you installing that with him? Yeah, so what we did with them was in our – and I, I got to be honest, I always flip it in my head, outside zone, wide zone. I know it's kind of like the uh, 
the conversation. I always joke, guys, like inside zone duo. Yeah, I don't yeah. know that. I don't know the difference in it, Coach. I just yeah. some guys get mad when you don't say wide zone, so I try to. Correct. I try to throw it out there. All I tell guys is we're we're a stretch and puncture team. We're aiming for the inside leg of the tight end or outside leg of the tackle. If it's two men surface side, and we're pressing that. And if we got it, we're going to keep it on that track. If not, we're going to try to bang it or bend it back. Um, what we do is so like our tackles. Um, how I taught it. Those guys are solo. So, like, our, our outside zone, we, we work in pots. So, like, the tackle's on an island by himself. The guard center plays side. Um, if, you know, if they got two I shade type deal, um, or three, the team can pull the center along with them if we know they're a big spike team. And then, like, the backside guard tackle, you know. So, we work in pods and make combo calls. So, that tackle, when he's got a tight end with him, they're going to, like, tang they're going to tango that to the plus defender. So. We were going to ID the front. We're going to ID who the point backer is who we're going to. So he's not working to sift and insert. I've done that at other places. Um, it's something we'll probably look at in the future, um, you know, kind of doing it more when we have a little bit more practice time in the, in, for fall camp. But for us, he, he's a, he is chipping that back to the tackle. Or if that guy is aligned, you know, loose, he's tearing that to the sideline. The tackle's going to shove it to him after three steps and climb. So those two are tied together in outside combo to the plus. It could be a safety. It's a three-linebacker box. It could be that third linebacker. Um, but that's how that's how we block it, that play side tight end. Gotcha, Coach. That, that makes sense. Um, that was kind of the – that was the big, you know, question mark we had going into the season, how we were going to do that. And so we tried it a couple different ways. We just tried to find a, you know, one way that would – that would help and, and work. And now me working with, with fullbacks, you know, just trying to figure out some of the easiest ways to talk and communicate with those guys and, and communicate with the offensive line. Is that something, um, is that something that when you are communicating with fullbacks, are you guys able to use verbal signals or do you guys have to use, you know, different, and I don't want you to give them away, but do you have to give hand signals sometimes, or is it something most of the time you can verbalize uh, between the tackle and fullback we verbalize everything so gotcha. like we yeah we i tell you know and my guys i love it. it it's probably an old school mentality like i tell them you know who gives a hell what they know like tell tell them you're blocking them you know so like with the speed of the game and everything like that it, it's it's i coached d line for a couple of years and i i look back and i always joke my line i'm like listen like when i coached d line it's not like my guys were coming off to the sideline we were good in d line they weren't coming off the sideline saying, hey, coach, when they tat it, they're comboing it to the, the backer. <laughs> so I tell them, like, guys, make your calls, you know, verbalize it, let them know. We do a ton of stuff with our tight ends. Um, you know, Coach Live, our tight ends, Coach does a good job. And um, in practice, we do uh, our, a block period, you know, at least once a week during the regular season. Um, in camp, we do it every other day. So where the tight ends come down with us and we work through every block in our offense. So like we'll work our, our combo outside zones, we'll work our gap schemes, we'll work crowler work for the tight ends and the old line. And we just kind of rotate it, you know, tackles tight ends will kind of travel together, guards and centers will kind of travel together and then vice versa. And we'll, we'll flip it out, do different drills every day. So it kind of ties those guys in mentality wise, verbiage wise with everything we do, you know, like inside zone, they're rocking back like we are outside zone, the run off the ball, big arm with the inside hand, and they know all the verbiage, and it's awesome. You know, they do a really, really good job of it. Coach, I got to imagine I've shifted gears a little bit. You know, I peaked, peaked my ears when you said we, we'd pared it all down and you guys had 
two play action protections, I believe. So I guess I'm kind of curious, you know, obviously you're probably going to carry a naked, you know, you guys run a bunch of a wide zone. So you carry, you know, naked protection, if you really want to call it that easy, easy grade for the O-line. Absolutely. Um, um, but your two other dropbacks, um, I'm assuming you got a gap dropback protection. And then do you have like an inside zone uh, dropback protection? I'm interested to hear how you guys kind of felt like, man, this is what we can really pare it down to. Yeah, we do a a gap one, and it's most of the time it is based off of um, kind of how we run like our power read. So it's going to be like a jet motion, get eyes, you know, out of the backfield. We're gonna, you know, call our run run combos. You know, we're gonna do do our deuce block, and we're gonna pull that guard. He can pick up first thing off the tackle's ass. You know, if it's the DN, great. The DN gets collected place side tackle. He's gonna be about a yard past the tackle, about two yards off the ball, and he's going to settle down there and, and look to, you know, just pick up work. Um, you know, the toughest guy, in my opinion, with that is the center. You know, we don't post hinge the tackle on that, on the backside. So, like, the tackle's manned up. So, like, if it's a wide three, we've done it where we'll pull the center. You know, like, we'll base that, just pass at the three, pass at the tackle, pull the center. Still, you know, sell the, the, the gap combo on the front side. Um, that's the one way we do it with the gap scheme. And then we run uh, like our slice protection. So we sell inside zone. Backfield action is a little bit more, you know, the running back's kind of going off of an outside zone path. I don't tell the O-line to run outside zone just because I don't want them overreaching stuff. But we're selling run, fullback come across, um, tailback leaking out to the front of the plays, chipping the DN to help the tackle. So, and that's our that's our take a shot, you know, two-man combo, three-man combo routes, um, depending on the protection. Um, so we base that off our inside zone slice game. When you guys fake, you know, the, the gap stuff, you know, since, since, you know, either the center's on an island or the, your backside tackle's on an island, is that something where you guys kind of marry up probably like a little bit quicker, you know, rhythm throw instead of like, you know, you're saying your home run post and a, and a, a layer route underneath that where the quarterback's got to hold it a little bit. Is that, is that something where he's probably, it's a little bit more of an intermediate throw rather than a deep throw? Yeah, it's, it's an intermediate throw. You know, we will probably tie a little more quick game to it. And it's also like a good, like low red, you know, high red zone play for us where Absolutely. you can run, run like a, you know, a little bit longer route concept, but it's just going to get thrown quicker because there's not as much space. Um, yeah, no, but the ball definitely has to be out quick with that. You know, it's it's one of those, you know, you <laughs> we only ran a couple – we installed it for the first time this spring because of how much gap scheme we had been doing. And it was good, you know, you know, it's just one of those things where you pray you don't get <laughs> the wrong look. So, your quarterback just has to know he's got to get rid of the ball. So, I, I remember, I mean, you know, Harp and I, we'd hear it from Coach Alexander all the time, and he's, you know, played in the NFL and they'd run the, he used to call it sack at eight. Cause you know, they, they pull the backside guard and you got the, you know, your two dudes on the Island on the backside, if they brought any game or they had any dude, yep. he's like, we're getting hammered. But you know, Har Harp and I kind of talked him into it. Cause we actually left that the H back on the backside to just kind of be clean up. You know, he could help, you know, insert or he could help off the backside edge if there was something. So he relented a little bit, but if you got, if you got an offensive line guy, they, they don't want to run that protection. No, not at all. <laughs> I grud grudgingly, you know, <laughs> grudgingly did it. So you're, you're you're like dissecting the routes, like, yeah, hey, the ball's gonna be out, right? Okay, all right, okay, then we're good. <laughs> Absolutely, you know. Or I'm lucky. Our our receivers coach is my best friend. 
Um, you know, we love to Gary. He's one of my closest friends and we've worked together at three different spots. And, uh, you know, whenever we, whenever we're installing a protection, that's the first thing we do. Him and I kind of just talk. I'm like, all right, well, tell me, tell me what we're, what's actually happening here. So I'm on the same page and make sure this actually makes sense. <laughs> so coach, uh, I'm also curious, right? You, you've, how do you keep fall interesting for the kids with them kind of knowing, Hey, we're not going to have a football season this fall. I mean, and I know you have to do that in the spring normally, but it's like, that's okay. We just got done playing football and we're going to play football here a little bit later. By the time it's fall, these kids hadn't played football for, you know, a year and they'd already had fall practice. And so now they're having you know, or spring practice. Now they're having fall practice and offensive linemen, it, you know, I know we want to say it's, it's great, but practice sucks for offensive linemen, a lot of steps, a lot of, you know, you're not catching balls. How do you keep that entertaining? How do you keep their attention? How do you keep it almost you know, fun for an offensive lineman who hadn't got to play in a game, which is the fun part of playing offensive line in a year? Yeah, you know, that that was that that was the thing that stunk, you know, like in the fall. And, and like, you know, and credit to our guys, like those guys were, I mean, they were freaking awesome. Like, you know, like the league doesn't, you know, didn't do football. And then in August, you know, it, 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 it was one of those things like, okay, well, FBS is going to play, FCS isn't. Then you saw FCS teams that did play. Like, you know, Eastern Kentucky played the whole schedule. Stephen F. Austin. So, like, the first mindset the kids had was, like, well, why the heck are we not playing? And I, and I understood it, you know. So, what we did, we did a couple things. Um, basically, like, every few weeks I tried to tell them, like, hey, we're going to do something fun to keep, you know. I know we're, like, we're supposed to do something you know, we're supposed to find a game this Saturday, but, you know, we're going to do something that, you know, to reward you guys, for, you know, you're doing the training all week, you know, you're working out, we're doing practice. So, like, you know, we did different things, you know, went out to eat, had stuff for the guys. You know, I actually took the guys surfing, um, like, the second week of September down in Narragansett, which is a big, like, surf country up here in Rhode Island. Um, surprisingly, they were, like, four of my guys were really good freaking surfers. They swear they never done it before. Um, that was a sight to see. You know, you got like 15, you know, we had about 16 guys, you know, about 300 pounds walking around shirtless down at the beach. And, you know, people were just staring at these guys like, who the heck are these guys? We had to wear the mask because of the whole social distance thing. So <laughs> it made for some fun times. Um, the other thing we did was I, I, I thought this was cool. You know, we talked about basically like every weekend we try to find a game to focus on like another college I was playing, I tell my guys like, Hey, like watch this team. Let's talk about it. You know, the next week, let's, you know, or like, Hey, watch, you know, watch this player. You know, we did a lot of film study of other guys. So like every old lineman I, on the roster, I asked them, you know, give me your favorite NFL old lineman. Um, I'm going to try to get the film of those guys from the previous year. And, you know, let's just watch them throughout the fall. We did that. So just a bunch of different things, you know, to study other people. Um, you know, and, you know, for as much as good as it was for me, it changed some of the ways I taught some stuff, watched some other people do some things. Um, I think it was great for our guys to just watch other guys play with the technique they're playing. Like usually in the college football season, post game, you're watching a couple games Saturday night, maybe, maybe Sunday when you're recovering as a player, but like you're not really watching, watching like you are um, like a regular fan. And that kind of was something that I thought was pretty neat. So did a lot of studying. Um, just a lot of different things to kind of break up the monotony of the fall without football. 
it's amazing how much guys learn just by you know like you said watching guys that are really good you know the, the i just think that imitation and 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 watching that stuff you know i see it even at the, the high school level they love it when you know you can go grab film for them um you get like requests all the week on the weekends you know the kids are always asking me for one-on-ones and can you get practice film it's like I don't know about that. It's a tall order, but I'll try. But sure, sure. But they they find that stuff all the time now, and and like you said, I think they get more interested in the game. They're they they're better at studying the game, and, and it just makes life as a coach so much easier because they they carry so much more background knowledge that I don't have to cover anymore. They they kind of quote get it. Absolutely, you know, and you know, for from a coach perspective, it was, you know, it was uh, it was different. I hated it not playing in the fall. Um, but I got to watch some other old line coaches do some things, you know, and, and I was lucky. I, I got to spend two months, you know, August before our kids got here. And then December when our kids got home, I, I went that, back down to FIU and I got to just spend time with, uh, coach Joel, who I know you guys have had on the show. He's an awesome coach. I mean, unbelievable coach. He's a good friend. Um, and I literally spent three weeks in August and then I spent a month end of November and December just watching how he coached and, you know, sitting on his meetings and talking, recruiting with him. And, you know, it, it was kind of funny because I used to do that when he was at Fordham, I was at Pace University, which is D2 in New York. I used to go down there and, you know, I used to kind of watch what he did and, you know, back when I was at Wagner too. So it was, for me, it was awesome. You know, like that part was a positive as much as it was a negative, not playing, just being able to do professional development and see other guys, what they were doing. And I'm That's lucky that great- my head coach allowed me to do that. <laughs> that's a great point coach and, and that's one thing that um we're hoping we get to end up doing again with colleges because all these colleges have been so locked down because of all the covid you know from spring ball to just going down there to talk with them i'm, I'm hope hoping that now after a year some of those rules will start you know easing back so so we can get down to some colleges and and start doing kind of the same thing absolutely you know it, it, it was the same like up here like in northeast like yeah i wanted to visit like yeah i was like okay i'm gonna go to bc i'm gonna go and it's not those coaches faults at all you know those guys right. are awesome it's like the states like the schools were like no you can't have visitors whereas you know down south like fiu they were like yeah sure you can come on down you know even for us this whole spring season my my hope had been that we'd be able to have high school coaches at all the practices and you know the second we had a positive COVID case on staff, you know, early on, you know, it turned into, you know, hey, no visitors during practice. So, you know, I'm hoping all goes back to normal this summer. We get back to normal, get back to, you know, sharing the ideas and professional development, you know, because as much as the Zoom stuff has been neat, I think everyone wants to get back to the uh, actual in-person stuff. That's right. I know I do. Well, well, that's right. So, Coach, you just had a season and – and right now, you know, there's some schools doing spring ball for next fall. I would assume you guys are playing next fall. What's the plan? How, how do you get a lot out of it but not, you know, crush your guys? Do you just use this shortened season as your spring ball uh, and then go right into spring, you know, workouts and then summer workouts? How does that work? Yeah, so we did we, – we, we, we approached it as a staff. We have a very young roster. Like probably like 80% of our team this spring is freshmen, sophomores, and who are also going to be gaining a year of eligibility back. So we we said like going in, like obviously, you know, 
we're playing to win every game like that. that that's without a question. Like, and, and you know, it's not, you've heard some people out there say like, you know, well, this brings about development. Like that's not what our mentality was. Like, we were going to win every game, but we literally said to ourselves like, Hey, listen, like we're not going to have spring ball. So like, if you've got young players, play them, get them experience, get them dead. They're, they're never going to have a spring like this again as a freshman where you didn't come, you know how it is for a lot of freshmen. You know, if you come in, you're not playing your scout team the entire fall, you know, your first season. And then you kind of get in the spring. Well, these guys had a whole fall of work. And, at, you know, even though it was subject to not full practices at times and the workouts, we were limited depending on numbers. You know, they got a, the half a semester of preparation they normally wouldn't get going into college football. So, like, like I know for, for me, like, I played anywhere between eight to ten linemen a game this spring. I had five, I had five true freshmen, four of them played in, in the games. You know, I played all the sophomores. You know, I had two senior starters. I had three retro freshman starters, you know, but we played and we developed and it was awesome. You know, like our running back room, you know, our, our running backs coach, Coach K did a great job. You know, we played our four different running backs, two two were younger guys, two were older guys. And, you know, and we, we literally said, like, we're going to develop this entire spring. So, like, when the season ended, we gave them a week off. This past, this week right now is kind of like a return lift protocol. So, like, we're easing them back into it, you know, getting the bodies, you know, back into kind of mentality. And then we're going to go – we're going to go through and kind of go hard for this next month as an off-season lifting, a little bit of running, sled stuff. Um, not killing them because they just got off, you know, a reduced season. But, like, we're training for next fall right now. And then once they have exams, they're going to go home for a bit. And then, you know, as long as the state and everything improves, you know, like we'll have our guys back up in June um, to start training for, for next fall. So kind of had to shift gears pretty quick from season mode to, hey, we got to we got to get some mass on these guys and get bigger. Cause we haven't had a true off season since this thing started, you know, it's really going to be not till this time next winter that these guys have a, a start of a true off season. So that's everybody across, you know, college football right now that's playing this spring. Exactly. Well, coach also, you know, my question is you're going to have, I would assume so many more kids in your room this, this fall or this summer, I guess not in summer this fall, as I would assume that you normally have, because like you said, you're not losing any of these kids. I'm sure there are will be some that move on, but eligibility wise, as many that want to stay can. Have you guys talked through what challenges those bring or what opportunities those bring? And you don't obviously have to tell us what you're going to do about it, but have you guys had your your meetings and plans for maybe some of these more filled up rooms and and how to get some of these kids you know some more reps just because you know I'd assume you got one extra class you that you're not normally used to having yeah so for us you know it, it was it's probably a little different for us because like our school it's a super high academic division one double a school so like our kids you know like our the education our guys receive is same as like an Ivy League Patriot League. So like for us, it really turned into like when we weren't sure if there was even going to be a spring season, we had to like go talk to our seniors and be like, how many of you are going to be able to come back next fall? How many of you have jobs already? And like a large group of them were like, coach, like like our guys, you know, they graduate. Like I'm taking the seniors out to dinner tomorrow night. And, you know, they're going to bust my chops. Like these guys are making top 1% of the nation's salaries. So like 
for like me, like I had four seniors, um, five seniors, like one is going to come back. Um, one medically, he retired, you know, he, he was a great guy. He was good backup for us. Um, two of them, you know, were my starters. Another one was kind of a partial guy. And, you know, like I had that conversation with them. I was like, listen, like, are you guys, you want to come back? Like, what's your thought? And like, like with three of those guys, they're like, coach, like we got, you know, we would have to turn down this job that we accepted, you know, back last August. So for us, it's a little different. We do have that, you know, we're probably bringing, I'd say about half the seniors we back. Um, so it does make for some different challenges. You know, it, it's going to allow us to be a little bit deeper than you normally would in a camp, which is good. Um, I think it's going to create some more composition. You know, for us, it didn't affect our recruiting class nearly as much as like some other programs because, you know, a lot of our guys are moving on to their professional careers. Um, so like we were still able to recruit a lot of high school kids in this recruiting class. We'll still be able to do that next, next uh, year as well. Whereas like some programs I know it was a lot more difficult. It's kind of like if your kids are all coming back, you know, you can't really right. sign anybody to replace that. So it, it's it's something that I think you're going to see for the next two years. Roster management wise is going to cause issues all over football. Yeah, your guys would be taking a pay cut to stay, coach. I mean, if they're correct, you know, like you said, <laughs> with such a great with such a great place. Um, so, and I think everyone assumes like, man, that's got to be tough because your school, um, you know, has such high academic standards. And I'm sure there is parts of that. But I would also assume you also are only recruiting kids that you think can, you know, thrive in that situation. So what is that balance like? I'm sure you've been at other schools as well. What's the balance like at a place that is so high academic, but you're also bringing in kids that you believe can, you know, meet those academic requirements? So does that balance out, you know, with that? It definitely does. You know, it, it's, it is a different type of kid. It really goes back to kind of like the meeting structures and all that. Like with these guys, like this is the first high academic school I've worked at and like other, other, other places I'd been at, I probably had a lot more time with my guys outside of practice, outside of the weight room because of the lesser course load and workload. Like our guys, it's okay. Well, more in spring ball normal year. They got spring practice, they got class, half of them have an internship or half of them have some type of course study on top of it. You know, it's the reason it's the reason why, you know, we've had 100 percent job placement rate for the past 10 years as a football program here. So like um, in recruiting, it, it really just kind of like 90 percent of the kids that I would normally look at other places kind of just get cut just based off the academic component. So in recruiting, to me, it actually makes it easier. Like some people have told me, like prior to going to Seagal, they said, you know, recruiting academics, high academic is harder. I couldn't disagree more because, like, it allows you to build probably more inter interpersonal relationships quicker. And your amount of guys on your board is just so much less. So you really focus in on less guys um, and really get to develop them. It also means you recruit much more nationally. Like we've signed old linemen from, from Texas, from Florida, from down south, from, you know, all over like we'll, we've signed guys you know colorado from california you know we'll recruit anywhere georgia you know like in the country because of the academics and we're so close to a major hub you know, we're only 50 minutes from boston so we can fly anywhere in the united states for super cheap that's awesome i i get to fly fly into boston one time i think that's where it was um and and right around that area and it was the airport was like right on the ocean like i thought we were landing Yes, in the yeah. ocean, uh, but then <laughs> it ended up being on the airport. It was crazy. Yeah, yeah. 
Well, coach, it's, it's been, uh, you know, an, an awesome hour. So, Hey, we really, really appreciate it. Obviously we already ha have got to ask our big, good question to you before. So, um, don't have that at the end. We just really appreciate you giving us this time. I know your season just wrapped up. Um, and so uh, this has been, you know, eye opening for us. Obviously we get to dig a little bit deeper into the weeds, a little bit deeper into some things in our second one. And so, uh, it was, you know, we're extremely thankful that you got on. Like I said, too, we haven't been able to go to those colleges, those universities to talk with guys. And so this has kind of been a great thing for us to to still be able to learn and grow and and, uh, you know, kind of stay up with everything going on right now. Absolutely. And once this COVID's over, the door's always open for you guys. If you want to come up here, talk ball, get some clam chowder, come enjoy it. I'll take you guys surfing a little bit. <laughs> All right. Speak, speak of my language, man. I love the Northeast. There you go. Uh, absolutely love the food up there. Love the people. Love the pace. I, I don't know if I absolutely. could do it for that long, but it's a lot of fun <laughs> to go visit for at least a week. I know that, man. And that's going to do it for this episode of RTP. We want to again thank all of our sponsors. You guys make sure and go check them out. Help grow our community by telling other coaches about Run the Power. And if you enjoy Running the Power, go get your shirt long sleeve or hoodie at runthepower.com also if you have any topics or any questions you would like for us to discuss in the next podcast simply rate our podcast and then leave a comment in the writer review section of the podcast app this will help our podcast rating as well as it allow us to answer the questions you all want answered make sure and go check out our blog at runthepower.com follow me on twitter at harper underscore coach and coach walls at coach brady walls Run the Power now also has its own Twitter and Instagram, and you can find that at Run the Power. Hope you guys enjoyed this one. Talk to you soon.